minutes, and uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna to worship again. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us at home. I want to talk to you today um, on the topic of why Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? There's uh, and listen, I know, I know it's prophetic, but. Why did God choose that? You know, sometimes we think that God just haphazardly spouts out things and then they come to pass. But there's a reason for everything God says. Um, and I want, to, uh, I want to start reading today um, in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth chapter 1. Now, I saw some faces twist. Like, I thought that we were talking about Christmas. We were going to get to Christmas. Just give me some time to get there. Amen. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, starting in verse 6, it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For, where she, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Father, we thank you for your word. It's the only change agent on the face of the planet. And Lord, we receive it into our spirits right now. Not just into our spirits, but Lord, at the fabric of our soul, that it would create a change in the way we think, the way we act, the way we are. Lord, that you would do something so supernatural that when we leave this place, we're never the same again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. So let me give you the let me give you the, the back story here. Um, what is happening is there's this woman named Ruth. She and her husband had moved to this place called Moab, a, la- a land of of pagans, a land that of people that that worshipped the god Chemosh, um, and the one of the the sacrificial ways that you worshipped Chemosh was that when you're first born. Um, was born, you would bury them in the foundation of your home to get protection um, over your home and prosperity for your family. It was a, a pagan society, and Ruth and her husband had moved to Moab, and, and their sons had taken wives in the land of Moab. Um, they had married outside of their faith, and, and then things began to to devolve. Things began to disintegrate around Ruth. First her husband dies and then um, each of her sons passed away and it's just Ruth and her two daughters-in-law who were there and Ruth looked and said, the reason we left the land of my people was because there was not enough to eat. They left because of a famine and they were driven to the place of the pagan looking for support, looking to be able to live just to have morsels to put on their plate. And we find ourselves here in this passage of scripture. Ruth has lost everything dear to her heart. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. And now she is here with her two daughters-in-laws, but she's heard a rumor. How many of you know that sometimes just a rumor about God is enough? That you just hear that something is stirring. You just get that, you, you get that, that, that one passing statement that, hey, there's something happening. I don't know what it is, but, but something's happening. There's something stirring. There's something moving. There's, there's something there that wasn't there before. She heard a rumor that there was bread in the house of God. She heard that, that, that there was 
provision once again in the house of God and she was stirred in her spirit to leave the pagan culture in which she was living and to return back to the place where she was born, her heritage and her lineage. And she goes to her daughters-in-law and she says, hey, this is, this is something that I've heard. I've heard that there is bread in the land again and I'm going to go back to my people, um, but you need to stay here with your family. And one of her daughters-in-law, Orpah, said, you know what? Now, listen, for a long time, I read that, and I thought she was leaving Oprah. But it's Orpah, okay? Oprah is, despite what we may think in culture, Oprah is not a character from the Bible. Amen? She's bigger than life, but she's not in the Bible. Orpah decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to just make my run at it. I'm going to stay here. But then there was this one, Ruth. She says, hey, you know what? Um, a little hot bread sounds good right now. Um, I, I, I don't know, but, but this is what I do know, that I'm going to go with you because if you're moved in your spirit, come on, somebody. If you're motivated to make the trek, then I trust you enough because I have enough of a relationship with you that I'm willing to follow you and I'm willing to go make your people my people and your God my, my God. Come on, somebody. Are, 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 do you have relationships with people that, that they can see into your life in such a way that as you've been through your hardship, if you've been through tribulation, that they can look and they love the God in you so much that they may not follow him yet, but they're willing to follow you back to get a little hot bread? Yeah. Ruth chapter 1 verse 19 says, Now the two of them, Ruth and Naomi, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Is this the one that left? Is this the now, now listen, I want you to understand that, that leaving God's land to go to Moab was the equivalent of the New Testament church of, you may understand this terminology, backsliding. Come on somebody. Uh, you know, in the South, we back, people backslide, not we. People backslide. I almost, whoo, yeah, just dodged one right there. Caught that before it got out on the internet, Jonathan. Uh, people in the South, they backslide. You know, they, they backslide. And, and, in, and, and in certain, you know, denominational terms that, you know, no matter how far you backslide, you can be all the way down in the ditch. Come on, somebody. They said, is this Naomi? Has Naomi come back? Is is, is is this really her? And she said, listen, I'm not the same Naomi that I used to be. Let me tell you what I've been through. And she begins to express all of the pain and hurt that she went through while she was outside of God's kingdom, outside of God's people, outside of the support system, that she lost everything she held dear to her. But then she looked and said, hey, but I brought one with me. Do you realize that it doesn't matter what you go through, that the fulfillment in bringing one with you can, can, can outshine all of the hurt and pain that we go through in the temporary, in the, in the meantime, as we're moving from one place to another? But the significant thing is, is that when they finished their journey, they didn't just end it anywhere, but they ended their journey in a little town called Bethlehem. 
Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. So when they returned, they returned to Bethlehem, to the house of bread, looking for the the deliverance, looking for the sustenance, looking for the provision of God, that hot bread that they had heard a rumor about over in Moab. Now, let's transition to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing, governing Syria. So all went out to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into Judea into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So let's keep pinned in our mind that Ruth and Naomi ended up in Bethlehem. Let's keep pinned in our mind that they returned because that they heard bread was in the land and that they returned from a pagan place. Now let's talk about Jesus. So now we, we're here, and it's a story that we've heard told so many times, whether we're, whether we're saved or whether we're not, whether we're in the kingdom or outside the kingdom, especially if you live in the southeast United States, you have heard the story of the birth of Jesus. You have, you have seen it on television. You've heard it in, in country western songs. You've heard it in Christmas songs. You've, you've heard it on television. You've seen it in, in, in plays. and, and you, You've heard the story. But I think that because we've heard the story so much that we have become desensitized to the significance of the story. That here... God sets everything up on purpose to make sure people are where they need to be when they need to be there. That he, he causes Quirinius to call this census so that God's people are numbered knowing that Joseph of the lineage of David would position he and Mary at the right place at the right time. Well, Pastor Clay didn't realize he was about to preach part of my message today. Um, but, but when we're at the right place at the right time, come on somebody, say right place, right time. When we're at the right place at the right time, we maximize God's glory to intervene into a situation. See, when we look throughout Scripture, God could have moved any time he chose, but he waited for when he moved to maximize his glory. When, when King David showed up as a 12-year-old boy to the battlefield with some cheese sandwiches for his brother, it wasn't that there wasn't another warrior that could have beaten Goliath because with God's help, any warrior can beat Goliath. It was because it needed to be the 12-year-old boy to walk on the battlefield to make the rest of the army flee. Because if a 12-year-old could do to our champion, what could their seasoned vets do? Come on. See, God moves specifically in time and space to maximize the glory. And according to his principles, his precepts, his teachings. And it was strategic that Jesus, not just Jesus... See, we read this and we say that Caesar made this decree that they would all go to Bethlehem and we, just, and we forget about that it wasn't just Mary and Joseph. That it wasn't just Mary and Joseph that made the trek, but it was everybody of the house and lineage of David. That everyone from the house and lineage of David went to Bethlehem, the house of bread. 
and they all showed up there just in time for Jesus. Now listen, we've always seen the pictures of you know, them riding in on a donkey. I don't know if they rode a donkey. I don't know if they walked. I don't know if they jogged. I don't know how they got there. Maybe it was a camel. But I don't know how they got there. But they got there. And, and scripture seems to indicate that they got there in the nick of time. That they didn't get there early. And they didn't get there late. In my mind, it's always been they... That they're starting to approach the city, and just as they start approaching the city, that first twinge of labor. Mary says, Whoo! Glad it's downhill. Come on, somebody. Just as they, they come into the, to the city gates, I believe her water broke because, you know, we don't really get urgent men until something significant happens. Do you know that men don't understand, I, I, I'm not, I promise I'm not going into a comedy sketch here. You know, men just don't understand labor. We, we, we don't understand how bad you're actually hurting. We don't understand the pain that it takes. And, and a lot of times we need something external to happen to motivate us and shift us into urgency like water breaking. You know, when you give birth to a promise... There's going to come a time where your water breaks. There's going to come a time where there is a physical change in the nature of my surroundings. And I believe that a physical change happened in the nature of their surroundings. And Joseph suddenly thrust into urgency and on high alert began to look for a place not for them to sleep but for this baby to be born. And he began to knock on the doors of every inn. And we know from every Sunday school lesson and children's play that there was no room for them in the inn. So they settled on a manger filled with animals and stench and excrement and all of those things that accompany the barnyard. And there in that manger, in the house of bread, Surrounded by the people of David, Jesus was born. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And I want you to understand who was gathered in Bethlehem during this season, during this time. It was the people of Judah. He assembled the tribe of Judah in Bethlehem, the house of bread, for the bread of life to be born. That bread that would cause you to never be hungry again. And it was as the people of Judah, the people of praise, began to gather together. Come on, somebody. As the people of praise gathered together in the house of bread, it caused the manifestation of Jesus to come. That literally, as the praisers gathered, Jesus showed up. For the very first time, he didn't just show up by accident in a city, in a place. He showed up right on time because the spirit of praise drew the manifestation of the Lord. 
And as he showed up and he was manifest and born, the only people we read about that were not of the house and lineage of David were probably those shepherds. We don't know. They weren't visitors. They weren't there from the outside. But God shows up and even they begin to praise. Come on, somebody. And once they got in a unity of praise... The king of glory stepped out of the supernatural and into the natural, tearing a hole in reality and manifesting himself as the bread of life in the house of bread just in time to cause people from far and wide to make the trek just like Naomi and Ruth did because they heard a rumor. It had to be Bethlehem. Because that's where praise was. It had to be Bethlehem because that's the house of bread. And John chapter 6 verse 35. Jesus himself says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never ever thirst. Because we're not just talking about average bread. We're not talking about pumpernickel. Come on, somebody. We not, we're not even talking about Pepperidge Farm butter bread. We're talking about bread that's so supernatural. Okay, first of all, let me, let me just, I need to. How many of you, you've just ever sat down, you know, you get maybe one of those French rolls. You know what I'm talking about, one of those long, and you break it in half, and you just sit down, and you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to eat this bread because it smells so good. The other day, I was down in, the, in my basement in the studio I was filming some stuff and those cartoons you know the ones where things are happening and then the smell comes and grabs the cartoon character and lifts them up off the ground and drags so I'm 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 down in my studio and I'm working and this supernatural aroma comes pouring down the steps. I said, what is that? And it was just like that. It was like I was lifted up off the ground and I floated up the steps and into the kitchen just in time to see these hot croissants. Uh-oh, somebody's time for somebody to go. I'm going to hurry, don't worry. Somebody gave me till exactly 12. I'm I'm hurrying. These flaky, beautiful, fresh-baked, homemade, from ingredients, not from the can. Come on, somebody. Croissants with chocolate wrapped on the inside of them and melted down. It drew me from that lower place to a higher place. Because that's what the smell of bread does. And I ate one at that moment. 
But then something strange happened. Later that day, I said, hey, you know what? Those croissants are in there. That chocolate's in there. I'm going to go eat another one. So I went in, and I just got the croissant. I took the And I started eating it. And about three bites in, I thought, choking to death. Because bread is dry. You ever sat down and just tried to eat a loaf of bread? It will choke you to death. He's like, <gasps> so I started. I, listen, this is how desperate I was. I got water, just water in general is for me, but out of the faucet and I drank it. Now it still tasted great, but there was nothing supernatural about it because Jesus says, when you partake of my life, I'm the bread of life that you're not going to hunger or thirst because there's something so significant about him. That he can meet every need you have. Your croissants were good. But Jesus is better. Jesus, the bread of life. Born in that place with worship. Praise happening around him because all of the people of praise were gathered It had to be Bethlehem because it's the house of bread that that brings nutrients and nutrition to the body of Christ and draws those from far away through its indescribable aroma into the presence of Jesus. It's more than a place. It was about a gathering of people. And not just any people, but the people of praise. So situated in time and space to make the maximum impact on humanity. And I look around today, and I believe that if not the world, at least America is poised for maximum impact from the glory of the bread of life. That there are some people with their nose to the air, looking for hope, looking for answers in a desperate world, not knowing what 2021 holds. Now listen, I'm joking about this, but I have just kind of looked back over 2020, right? And listen, we've had the worst hurricanes we've ever had. We've had the worst forest fires we've ever had. We've had more government upheaval than we've ever had. We've had more social unrest than we've ever had. We've had a global pandemic. The only thing left for 2021, brace yourself, alien invasion. There's nothing else bad left. People are looking for hope and answers. I don't know about you, but I heard a rumor. I I heard a rumor that there was bread in the house. I I, I heard a rumor that that, that, that there's some fresh bread baking in the house. and, And all that needs to happen for the bread to manifest itself is for some praisers to get together. Come on, somebody. 
that if we will, if we'll just get together and lay everything else to the side and just praise for just a little bit, that he'll manifest himself. He'll show up and his aroma will fill our community and draw people one life after another into this place to hear the glory of God and have a grace collision during a holiday season that for many is hopeless and broken. In John chapter 12, verse 32, Clayton, get ready. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. John chapter 12, verse 32. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Now, Jesus was talking about his death here. He was talking about his death on on the cross at Calvary. But do you know that he was lifted up that one time for all humanity, but we have the opportunity as believers to lift him up before humanity in praise again? That there's something supernatural that causes his manifestation when we praise. Now listen, not when we sing. Not when we sing. We've gotten things confused. We think that just because we're singing, we're praising. We think that just because we say, thank you, Jesus, that we're praising. But it's not about what comes out of your mouth. It's about where that originates from, where it's born from, and the sincerity behind it. So today, I'm looking for a few praisers. Right there in your home, I believe that you can be the epicenter of revival in your neighborhood. That if for the next few moments you will enter into a time of uninterrupted, focused praise, that you can bring bread to the house of God and it will permeate your neighborhood. I believe that if, if we can lay aside and listen, I'm going to call them what they are, trivial things. We can lay aside some trivial things for just a few minutes and press in and praise. some lessons that we can learn looking back. We shouldn't get stuck in the past, but there's some lessons. You, you know, we used to I used to go to church with some, some people, and there was this guy, um, Brother Ed. You always knew when the Holy Spirit was moving because Brother Ed would stand up, and he always sat on the end of the pew. He would step out, and his leg would just straight, he'd be straight. He'd say, Woo! And he'd kick his leg out, and the Holy Ghost would just shake the place. He was a barometer so sensitive to that moving of the spirit then brother John would start testifying about when I got born again baptized in the Holy Ghost and people would just throw their hands up and just forget the world we're missing those moments of intense focused praise because we've been so conditioned to get to the next thing that our goal is often to be finished. 
You should never be finished with your praise and worship before God. It may vary in volume, but it should never be finished. I want everybody to stand with me all over the house. Right there where you are, if you're able, I want you to stand up off the sofa. Put the feet down on your recliner and stand up. Listen, I know, I know that you got something in the oven. Forget about it. For the next four to five minutes, not 45, four to five minutes. I want everybody to forget about your lunch plans. Your kids are okay in the nursery. They're okay in kids' church. If they're not, we'll give you a report after this is over. But I want you to press in. And I don't want you to worship because you need something. This is Christmas. I want you to worship because you want to give this community a gift that they would get the scent of bread baking in the house of bread. That in the house of bread, they would know that there is nutrition, that there is a place where their bellies can be full from all of the torment they faced in life. And you do that today by pressing aside and pressing in. Pastor Clay, we're going to do Waymaker going to sing Waymaker again and I want you to I want you to praise like everybody in this community's life depended on it right there at home like everybody in your neighborhood's life depends on it. Listen, that, that, that husband that you've been praying for that's in the next room that refused to listen to church you praise like his life depends on it, like coming into the kingdom is going to be a direct result of you lifting up the Lord and allowing the smell of bread to cover your home. And while we sing, if you have a need in your life, if you need a miracle of any kind, I want you to step out and I want you to move down and I'm going to pray for you during this time. There's no better time than in a time of worship and praise to get your miracle. So I'm going to step down. I'm going to meet you right here. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to pray for you. If you need healing in your body, I want to pray for you. Whatever it is, the bread is in the house. Let's go, Pastor. Pastor.